Our scripture lesson this morning is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. And um, the interesting thing about Ecclesiastes, it is part of the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. And uh, the attitude of, um, of the writer comes across kind of cynical. Uh, there's uh, a pointlessness to life in Solomon's uh, words here. Um, and, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But listen now to God's word from the ancient wisdom of King Solomon. These are the words of the teacher, King David's son, who ruled in Jerusalem. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and gener generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new. But actually it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. This is the word of God for the people of God. Be to God. You may be seated. My way to your way. Words of Solomon, um, an exaggerated, uh, definitely cynical point of view about the purpose of life. He uses this expression in the King James Bible, vanities of vanities. The New Living Translation says, completely meaningless. Another says, absurdity, exclamation point. And this is the major theme of Ecclesiastes. It's set forth here in verse 2 of chapter 1, and it's a refrain that is echoed throughout the book over and over again. And the Hebrew word is uh, hebel, and it's translated vanity 28 times in the King James Bible. And the idea here is that life is kind of crazy. It's inexplicable. It's beyond understanding. Nothing can be counted on in life. We, we have a plan. We have a set of expectations. Most of us do, but things happen. Tragedy occurs. And the teacher in Ecclesiastes says that, that um, you can't count on God or on reason to carry you through, that life is full of surprises. And since ancient times, people have understood this about the nature of life. Uh, this notion that uh, everything happens for a reason, Solomon's not buying that. Uh, because life is unexpected. This idea that life is seasonal 
is another notion that is advanced by Solomon in chapter 3. It's a passage that has been uh, sung about, uh, written about, talked about since ancient times. This, these are words that have been around for thousands of years, and yet their relevancy is still very real. And this, this uh, um, image of seasons is particularly poignant, I think, for us because since ancient times, this is how people have, have kept time. We, uh, but long before the advent of the watch and the clock, people marked their lives with the seasons. And the preacher says here, to everything there is a season. Uh, I read many years ago one approach to this uh, idea of the seasons of life. It's called the seven ages of man. Uh, the first is spills then drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and finally wills. Which, which are you in right now? Um, it can be extremely helpful to look at our lives in terms of stages. Um, and each stage in human life is somewhat related to the others, but there are unique things about every one of these stages that, that we can learn about ourselves if we grow in self-awareness. Uh, we see in this congregation, which is very intergenerational, we have babies, we have toddlers and small children and, and elementary age kids and teenagers and young adults and folks in midlife and beyond. We have several folks in this church now that are in their 90s. And in any one year, like last year, we have a dozen that go through confirmation and begin the journey of faith together as disciples of Jesus. But we also said goodbye to a dozen other people who finished their journeys and entered into eternity. Babies are born, people die. There is indeed a circle to life. And Ecclesiastes acknowledges this. Nature has a circular aspect to it, and human existence does as well. Now, in the 20th century, a psychologist by the name of Daniel Levinson did a lot of research on stages. He called them the uh, stages of life or the seasons of man. And often he associated the uh, stages with a particular crisis that occurred in someone's life. And uh, at every turn, as we grow older, we bump up to, to obstacles and we find our own limitations come to play in our lives. And perhaps uh, we make a foolish mistake that has huge consequences for us or an illness or an accident or some other tragic event creates a crisis in life that, that marks these particular stages. And Levinson's stage theory assumes that for adults there will be development through these stages. But this is not always true. Not everyone grows up as they grow older, do they? In fact, in Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 and 13, uh, the writer says, You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others, but instead you're like babies who need milk and can't eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. He says that, that there are people that even though they are older, 
they do not develop discernment and understanding and wisdom about them. They are like infants and kids, even as adults. And so we're going to talk for the next few moments here about this development, this process of development in our lives in terms of the seasons, because it's something, in Kentucky at least, we can all relate to. We have four pretty well-defined seasons. Um, the song that Carrie will close the service with uh, starts with summer and ends with spring, because spring is an image for eternal life. But normally we think of the seasons spring, summer, autumn, and winter, with winter being the end of life. Now the season of spring is an exciting time. This is the first 20, 25 years of life. Uh, there's a lot of renewal and growth and discovery. One feels young and one looks young in the spring of life. There's beauty, there is romance. Uh, toward the end of this season, there often is marriage as we fall in love. Spring is a time for searching. Uh, it's a time of critical evaluation. A lot of adolescents who go through a process of individuation, separating from their parents, finding their own identity. Who am I? What do I want to do with my life? Do I want to believe in the God of my father and my mother? Am I going to stay in the church or not? That often happens in spring. Critical choices are made about a lot of things in, in the springtime of life. Uh, 19 of 20 persons who become Christians do so by age 25. 19 of 20 make that decision in the spring of their lives. Vance Havner observed, We commonly think that life's major decisions are made by older people, but actually the three greatest choices that you make in life are made before your mid-twenties. The first one is a commitment, a, a decision of discipleship, whether you're going to be a follower of Christ, what your faith will be in your life. That's made young. The second one uh, usually is, is education and vocation. What am I going to do with my life? What is my work going to be about? And then the third major decision is who am I going to marry? Um, those three decisions were made in my life before I was 25 years of age. All three of them. And that is true for many of you. Now, there are tensions that sometimes exist between those in spring and those in, in summer and especially autumn and winter. Um, youthfulness can come across kind of brazen and cocky at times, right? Uh, and uh, we see this in the scriptures. We, we see some younger people showing tremendous courage and great faith. King David was one of them. Um, all of the grown-ups were afraid of Goliath, but not the shepherd boy. Uh, he had courage and faith to believe that God was with him, and he slayed the giant, Goliath. Vance Havner says, We have always needed old people to keep things from going too fast, and young people to keep things from going too slow. Youth have fire, Old people have light, and we need both in the church. We need both in our families, both fire and light. 
in the imagery of Ecclesiastes, spring is a time for planning and for searching and laughing and dancing and loving and giving birth. Consequently, when someone dies in spring, whether it's as a baby or as a young child, a teenager or a young adult, it's always tragic, always in our minds. That is such a terrible thing that has happened. Now, if you are in the spring of, of your life, and then we've got some teenagers here and young adults that are uh, about to, to move towards summer, but if you're in the spring of your life, the priorities that you set for your life now will have a lot of impact on what your life is going to look like later. So what is your life going to be like? What, what's number one? What are the relationships that you value? Uh, how important is your faith to your day-to-day -day life? What are you sowing? Because I can promise you there will be a reaping that will come somewhere down the road. Now the season of summer is a season of cultivation and responsibility. There is much labor in the summer and it can be a time of struggle. Uh, those in the summer of life feel like they're, they're always pulling weeds and watering and fertilizing. Uh, trying to cultivate their careers, take care of their families, raise their kids, pay for their houses and their cars and everything else. They are very busy doing things when you're in the summer. I watch my, both of my sons and their wives. One of them has two children, a third on the way. They are so busy. They're always going places and doing things. And they seem to be tired a lot. Summer is tiring, yet it's wonderfully satisfying. We've gained enough wisdom that we're not making the same stupid choices we made in our 20s when we're in the season of summer. Uh, summer is a season of settling down. It can be a comfortable time uh, for many people, and, and that is one of the dangers, I think, of summer. We can become too contented. We can lose our edge. We lose sight of the priorities and the goals that we set for ourselves when we were younger. Sometimes we give up on dreams because we're just not willing to work hard enough or persevere through the difficulties and the hardships that, that are associated with, with a dream. King David in the Old Testament was in the summer of his life when he failed to go to war with his army as kings were supposed to do. He stayed home and it was a pivotal decision that changed the course of his entire family. He saw a woman bathing on a rooftop and was tempted and had adultery with her and then had her husband killed and, and David's own family began to unravel as a result. The third season is autumn. We often call this fall, and that's probably appropriate for a lot of us men because our hair changes colors and, and it falls out. That's what happens in autumn. It's a season of midlife, and the preacher in Ecclesiastes seems to have a handle on the angst of autumn. Uh, after the first service, one, one of our, our women in our church, she's a mom, she's still got kids at home, but... She, she had her reading glasses out and she was trying to read something and she kept taking them on and off and, and I just kind of looked at her and smiled and she says, I know, I think I'm in autumn. <laughs> uh, she doesn't want to be in autumn 
She wants to still be in summer. That's the message she was sending to me. Um, but the fact is we all move eventually from summer into autumn. And this is a time when many marriages fall victim to extramarital affairs. Um, you know, we exchange the thrills for the bills and the ills when we move from spring, summer into autumn. But there are many that want to reclaim spring uh, and will do some crazy things trying to do it, trying to achieve it. I'll never forget the day my mother said half-jokingly to me, uh, How did, what do you think about me having another baby? And she was probably in her 40s. And I'm like, what? You want to have a what? I mean, I was a full-grown man, and my mother's talking about having a baby? Mothers don't have babies in their 40s, do they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 they do. They do have babies in their 40s. Sometimes they postpone, they wait to have those babies. But my mother's babies were all grown. Um, autumn is not all bad. Autumn comes as a season of harvest and a season of blessing. The children are usually grown up and there's an expectation that grandchildren will soon come. Some of us have children that are a little slow about this, okay? And we're still waiting. We're still waiting for those grandchildren. The first Thanksgiving was held in autumn, so autumn can be a season of gratitude where we recall the, 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 the faithfulness of God that we sang about earlier in this service. Um, for those of you in autumn, uh, take inventory of your life at midpoint. Seek forgiveness for your failures. Ask God for the grace to help you to forgive others who have failed you. Fight on. Do not give up. You've still got some living left to do in your autumn years. It's never too late to invest yourself into something that really counts. And it's never too late to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus, even in autumn. I've watched many persons, especially men, walk through deep midlife crises and discover genuine faith in Christ. They have lived into a new set of priorities. They've seen their marriages renewed, their families restored. The fourth season is winter, the season of winter. Um, who wants to admit that they have arrived at the season of winter? Yeah. Some, some of you are, are, but others of us like, no way. Y'all have heard of this face app that's, that's aging people? Yeah. Uh, so I want to, I this is me two weeks ago at the Cow Appreciation Day at Chick-fil-A, okay? I think I look pretty good for 63, Okay. But FaceApp says, this is what I'm going to look like in 20 years. Please take that off. <laughs> but, you know, the fact is, I am now in winter. I have entered the season of winter. And it's just only been, been in the last year or so that I've been able to kind of embrace that and acknowledge the fact that I am not young anymore. In fact, I'm not even midlife anymore. I am a grandpa of two soon-to-be-three grandchildren. I've been married for 43 years. 
uh, retirement is getting closer and closer. It's, it's actually on the horizon now. And I think about it some days a lot <laughs> after being with some of you. Um, with much humor, someone has observed that you know you're in winter when most of your dreams are reruns. When you can't get the rock, rocking chair even started. Uh, your mind makes commitments that your body can't keep. And everything hurts. And what doesn't hurt just doesn't work. Yet, <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Brother Bob. We have an honest soul sitting back here this morning. Um, yet anyone who lives here knows that winter can be a season of reflection. For some older persons, frankly, it causes us a lot of fear and anxiety as we age. But it can be a time of, of, of reflection about the meaning of your life and what you can pass on beyond your material possessions and your estate to your loved ones, especially to your grandchildren. The Roman god Janus has two faces. It has an old face that's looking back and a young face that's looking forward. And, you know, that's the beginning of the year. Time for thinking on the past but looking forward to the future. That is such a good image for us who are in winter as we look toward the future, toward eternity, and what awaits us when this life is over. Despite a meaningful and satisfying life, persons in this season do experience heartbreak and disappointment, a loss of productivity, a loss of independence. Uh, that can make it really hard to be in winter. Um, my 94-year-old great-grandmother uh, illustrates this well. She had lived independently for seven decades. Very strong, independent woman, was widowed, young in life. Um, her sister lived with her for many years, but they traveled, they did whatever they wanted to do. But in her late 80s, as she was approaching 90, Mother Lillian, as we called her, uh, began to falter. And she had to move into an assisted living facility, a retirement home, Asbury Acres, good Methodist retirement home. And she hated it. She, she had to give up most of her stuff except for a few pieces of furniture. And then she said to me at one point, she said, well, what's next is, is next door, which was the nursing home. And then she said, after that, it's just over the hill. And that's where the cemetery was. And um, when she graduated from high school at the turn of the 20th century, her father gave her a Seth Thomas clock, a mantle clock that's in my office on top of my bookshelf. And every day of her adult life, she had kept that thing wound. It chimed on the hour, and it was very precious to her. But she got to the point where her, her arthritic hands could no longer, longer turn the key to wind it. And it made her so angry. She thought the clock was broken initially and had me take it to a, to a clock repair guy here in Georgetown, I think it was. No, it was prior to that. But anyway, the, the, the guy said, there's nothing wrong with this clock. And, and it was Mother Lillian that, that had the problem. And uh, so she sent me a letter and she said, come get the clock. I don't want it anymore. And by this point, she was in the nursing home 
all of her stuff was gone. She shared a bed with another woman, or she shared a room with another woman. She just had her bed, and there in the window of her room, face down on the seal, the window seal, I found her clock. She just turned it down and didn't want to look at it anymore. And that is a hard aspect of winter for many of us. Ecclesiastes says there is a time to die and a time to weep. And the sounds of crying are heard in winter. As we say goodbye to spouses and friends. I had someone tell me in her late 80s many years ago. She says all of my friends, all of my siblings, all of my family are dead. She said all of my children have died. What do I have left to live for? As you struggle with your mortality, winter is a good time to make amends. It's a good time to mend strained relationships, to seek healing within. Your body may not be able to be healed any longer. It may be failing you in a major way. But what about the the interior of your life? Uh, It's a time for speaking gracious and encouraging words, not to be angry and mean-spirited, um, but, but to embrace those around you. The Apostle Paul said it well. He said, as for me and my life, uh, it has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I've remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. I read a poem this past week by a 14-year-old boy by the name of Jason Lehman. He is now into his his 30s, but his grandmother found this poem and she sent it into Dear Abby back in 1989. Can you imagine a grandmother doing that to you? Um, But you know what? He was 14, but he was going on 40. Listen to what he said. He said, it was spring, but it was summer I wanted. The warm days and the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall I wanted. The colorful leaves and the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter I wanted. The beautiful snow and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood I wanted. The freedom and respect. I was 20, but it was 30 I wanted. To be mature and sophisticated. I was middle-aged, but it was 20 I wanted. The youth and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle age I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. And this was a 14-year-old boy that wrote this. Very perceptive, wasn't he? Very perceptive. So the the challenge for all of us, no matter what season we are living in, is to live in that season, in the present moment, aware of God's presence and His grace and His sustaining love and power at work within us. Now, Carrie's going to come and she is going to sing a wonderful song to bring this service to a close this morning. And as she comes, I want to say a prayer for each one of us. And God, we we do thank you for the seasons of our lives, really for this circle of life that we see in all of creation. Uh, We are bound to um, these patterns, these ancient 
cycles and seasons that have been around from the very beginning. We pray that we would not resist them and rebel against them, but would embrace them and find in whatever season we are living joy and fulfillment, even with the limitations and the challenges and the longings we have for things to be different, Lord. Uh, teach us the way of, cont of contentment and, and give us wisdom as we grow older that we may have discerning hearts that are able to live our lives to the fullest. In this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.